All right, take your Bibles, please. Turn over to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 11. Proverbs, chapter number 11. We will start back there this evening. And um, got a couple of different places we're going to look. I was able to get not quite halfway, close to halfway through the message this morning. So we'll do a quick review for those that may not have been here. And then we'll jump right into part two of the message. When you find your place in Proverbs 11, stand with me, please. And we will read verse number 30. The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. We'll pick back up tonight with the message, why we still go soul winning. Father, help us now as we turn our hearts and minds once again to the message we started this morning. May you continue speaking, or may you teach us something, help our church in this area. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Three things I want to mention about mention my way of introduction. Just quickly recapping without putting it up on the screen. We noticed our practice this morning. The title of the message is, We Go Soul Winning. We go. It is a practice. It is something that you do. You don't do it through osmosis, by the way. There's such a thing as being in the spirit of soul winning. The, and the mindset of you, something you have to go and you do. Okay, It is an action. It is an activity that requires time and dedication and commitment and effort. It's part of the cross that we have to bear as Christians. All right. Well, we're off to a great start. We, we preached uh, last year on the, the, uh, the missing cross. We got a lot of people who want to be a disciple without the cross. They want to be a disciple without any inconvenience to their schedule or their lifestyle. Soul winning is work. It's time consuming. You have to plan it. By the way, the reason why we have soul winning in our schedule is I found out a long time ago, what doesn't get scheduled doesn't get done. And if you don't schedule the soul winning, if you don't schedule the Great Commission into your schedule, you probably will not do it. We should be, in all actuality, soul winning every day, each and every day, everywhere we go. That's God's, I believe, original intent. Uh, but for those that struggle to do it on a daily basis, wherever they might go, we set aside a couple hours a week so that you can come join us and go out door-to-door soul winning. It is our practice. We've been doing that since 1955. That's when this church was started. Started by door knocking and soul winning. And we've got people sitting with us in the service tonight. That was a product of Dr. Pastor Art Bowman and his wife knocking doors, bringing people to church, and they're still here tonight. Think about that, 1956, what an amazing, what an amazing testimony. Our practice is we go soul winning. Our purpose is to win souls. That's where the whole word comes from, the phrase comes from that we find in our text in verse number 30. And I mentioned it this morning, soul winning is not something that was created by the sword of the Lord. It's a Bible phrase, it's a Bible terminology. I'm not knocking the sword. I appreciate them and their effort, but it's not something that the independent Baptists have a corner on. We didn't patent the phrase. It's a Bible term. He that winneth souls is wise. Our practice is to take souls and win them from an unregenerate state over to a regenerated state. Win them over from the devil's grasp into the hand of Jesus Christ through salvation. We are busy winning souls. I won't repeat all those verses that we looked at this morning, but there's multiple passages of scripture that teach us that we should be busy helping save other people, pulling them out of the fire. We see our practice, our purpose, and our persistence. And this was really what got me started thinking about this was, should we still have soul winning? Should we still have a soul winning program? Is it time to, is it time to just hang it up? 
Is it time to just fold it up and put it in the museum and put it in a glass case and go by and look at it and talk about days gone by? Is it, is it time to retire the soul winning program? Should we move on to bigger and better things? Should we move on to more uh, exciting and shiny objects or should we continue soul winning? It's a valid question because many churches have stopped soul winning. Many churches do not have an organized soul winning program. I've been to churches before that don't even have a track rack. I know you don't believe that, but I've been to churches before. There's no track rack. There's no place for people to go by and get a handful of seed to even sow throughout the week. We try to do that here. We keep, we keep the track rack full. We've got closets full of boxes of, of tracks. And by the way, they're not old and stale and yellowed and all curled up. They're brand new, they're shiny. They've got, they've got current pictures and current information on them and we, every few months we go through and make a whole new crop of outreach cards and tracks because we want to have something fresh to pass out. We want you to be excited about that. But should we continue knocking doors? Should we continue loading buses on, on Wednesday afternoon at 3.30 and taking our teenagers out knocking doors, passing out tracks? Should we still gather here on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock pass out maps and tracks and outreach cards and have prayer and go out in teams of two and more. Should we continue doing that or should we just kind of put the whole thing off to the side and say that's worked in 1955 but not anymore? This is a question that me as the pastor have had to ask myself. Any pastor that has a church that has a soul winning program Ask themselves this question when you get to the place to where there's such small, little participation, you wonder, is it even worth it? Should, should we have a Wednesday night service if only five people showed up? Should we have a Sunday night service if only five or six people show up? Should we have soul winning even if only five or six or ten people show up or 15 people show up? You've got people that won't come when, it, when it, they won't come when it's cold because it's cold. They won't come when it's hot because it's hot. They won't come when it's nice because it's nice and they got to do other stuff. Well, we, we, it's such a pretty day. We're going to go take a family day. We're going to go take a picnic. Well, what was your excuse last week when it was 30 degrees? Well, it was too cold. And in the summer, well, preacher, it's 100 degrees. Tell me about it. What, what, what do the circumstances have to be? What does the climate have to be? What does the need have to be? What, what, what criteria checklist do we need to check off to get the church involved in soul winning? Because by not coming, you're basically voting that we don't even have it. Which same thing applies if you don't come to church. If you don't come to church, you're just voting we don't have church. I know what some of y'all think of preacher. I was hoping you kind of had the edge off of it this morning and, and tonight's message was going to be nice. He that winning souls is wise. Are we winning souls or not? Are we wise or not? Be not unwise, but knowing what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is soul winning. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that every man, woman, boy, and girl gets a clear presentation of the gospel and has an opportunity to be saved. And God in his sovereignty appointed you and I, the church, the believers, to be the ones to go tell them. It's just as much God's will we'd be soul winners as it is for lost people to be saved. Can I say that again? Some of y'all quit squirming. We just upholstered these pews. Y'all gonna put a hole in them. It is just as much God's will, come on now, that you be a soul winner is it is that lost people don't go to hell. And they actually kind of go together. 
Without one, you can't have the other. Lost people will go to hell if God's people are not soul winners. That's kind of how it works. This morning we got to the first point, the pleading of the Savior is one reason why we go. And by the way, if I never preached these other three points, we could have stopped with this morning's point. The pleadings of the Savior is motivation enough for us to be actively involved in the winning of souls to Christ. That alone. There doesn't need to be another, I don't need to build the case, I don't need to make more points, I don't need to build a message. That right there is in and of itself is all we need. Jesus said go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the missionaries that we support in China and Japan and Peru and the Philippines are not going to win the people in Dundalk, Maryland to Christ. That is our job. They're not going to. It don't matter how much money we send them. It don't matter how many missionaries we take on. It doesn't matter how much money we raise for missions. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, Dundalk, Essex, Middle River, this is our mission field. And we're not going to get to heaven and get an attaboy if we only subbed out the Great Commission and we never did it ourselves. As a pastor, I think, man, what can I say or do to get people involved in soul winning? And God said, just preach on it about twice on one Sunday. So here we are. The pleading of the Savior. We looked at that this morning. I don't have time to repeat all of that, but Jesus had one prayer request in Luke 10 too. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. After that you receive power. Acts 1.8. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me. Not you might be. I want you to pray about it. I'm going I'm to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I want a bunch of you to go in a prayer room. And I want you to pray. And I want you to pick out one or two to be soul winners. And the rest of you just kind of pray for them. Is that what he said? No, it's not what he said. Somehow or another, we got it in our mind that not everybody in the church is supposed to be a soul winner. That's the pastor's job. That's the staff's job. That's Sunday school teacher's job. No, it's everybody's job. Every single child of God has an equal responsibility to be a soul winner. The pleading of the Savior. And and, And the truth is, he commandeth all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17, 30, everywhere. That's found over and over and over, everywhere, 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 everywhere. Well, people everywhere can't get saved if there's not soul winners everywhere. The problem with America right now is not a Democrat problem, a Republican problem, a Congress problem, a President problem, a White House problem. The problem with where we're at right now in America is Christians stopped soul winning about 40 years ago. That's the problem. Those of us that have the truth, stop telling people that didn't have the truth. Those of us that are saved, saved, stop winning people that are lost. We can blame, we can blame, and if if you believe in taking ownership of your problems, we have to assume that we are the problem. We're the reason America is where it's at today. But secondly, I want you to write this down. Why Why do we still go soul winning? Because of the possibility of salvations. I know this is going to sound oversimplified, but when you go soul winning, there's a possibility somebody might get saved. But if you don't go soul winning, there is a 100% guarantee nobody's going to get saved. 100% guarantee that the person that does not get witnessed to will not get saved. 
But if you witness to somebody, they might get saved. We don't know what God's going to do. The Ninevites in Jonah 3.9 said, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Who knows? God might let us get saved. God might save us. We don't know. We don't know who can get saved. We don't know who's going to get saved, but we do know this. They got to hear it to get saved. Faith cometh by hearing. We like that during the missions conference, don't we? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? Woo, amen. Let's take on some more missionaries. I'm all about it. The people on your streets got to hear it too. Who's going to tell them? Well, nobody's going to get saved. You don't know that. You don't know that. We have no way of knowing who we are witnessing to. We have no way of predicting who will receive and who will reject the message. On Mars Hill, Paul got up and started preaching to the, about the unknown God. You know the story. He began to preach in Acts 17. And the, and the story ends in chapter 17, verse 32. The Bible says some mocked. And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. You had mockers. You had procrastinators. But verse 34 says, how be it certain men clave unto him and believed. Amen. So some people mocked. Some people said, well, think about it. We'll talk to you later. We'll come back. We'll come back and think about it some more. But some of them got saved right then. Second Timothy chapter two says this in verse 24 down through verse number 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Powerful verses. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26, the verses I just read. Be gentle, be apt to teach, be patient in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You don't know what can happen. You don't know. If you spend all of your time focused on the, on the uncertainty of soul winning, you will never go soul winning. But one thing we do know, we have no way of knowing who will and who will not get saved, but we are not responsible for anything but sowing the seed. We cannot allow our concern over the state of the soil to determine our involvement in soul winning. We cannot allow our concern over the rain to determine our involvement in soul winning. We just need to sow the seed. We will never know how many could be saved until we tell them. We'll never know. And, and the, to me, that, that the possibilities are endless. When you're dealing with 7.8 billion people and God's people being faithful to be soul winners, there's no telling how many people we could see saved before Jesus comes back. But we will never know if we don't try. We'll never know. I, I, I enjoy going fishing when I'm catching something. Anybody relate to that? I don't like going fishing when they're not biting. I could drown worms in my bathtub at home. I could drown worms in my kitchen sink. I don't have to go out on a boat, sit out there in the sun for hours, and all I do is drown worms. I like fishing when they're biting. But there's only one way to find out if they're biting. Put a worm on a hook and throw it in the water. That's deep, isn't it? And some days you go and nothing happens. Some days you go and you hit a honey hole. That's right. 
Reminds me of those two blondes that were out fishing one day. And boy, they were just catching them left and right. And one of them said, we gotta go. We gotta go, we got an appointment. The other one said, I hate to leave. They're biting so good, I hate to leave. The other one said, well, I'll put a big old X on the side of the boat to mark the spot where all the fish are. <laughs> and the other one said, you dummy, how do you know we're gonna get the same boat next time? <laughs> I love fishing when they're biting. I like deer hunting when they're big deer, you know, the big ones, the big rocking chairs on their head. They come and stand right up under my deer stand and go, nanny, 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 I love that. I don't like it when I sit in a deer stand like I did last time for 12 hours and don't see anything. That's not fun to me. And it's not fun going soul winning when you don't see somebody get saved, but you don't know if somebody's gonna get saved or not until you go. Can y'all give me that? You don't know how many people you might be able to lead to Christ until you try. The possibilities of salvation is one reason why we still go soul winning. Thirdly, write this down, the potential of the soil. Now, take your Bibles quickly, turn to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. There's a story here Jesus told a parable about the sower and the seed. He tells a parable in Matthew chapter number 13. And he says in verse number three, he spake many things unto them in parables saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no roots, they withered away. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. I love the, I love the wording. I love the wording. Some seed fell by the wayside, verse four. Some, verse five, fell upon stony places. Verse seven, some fell among thorns. Verse eight, but other fell into good ground. Other fell. We don't know what kind of soil we're sowing seed on. We don't know. Unlike this Unlike this sower that could probably deduct from the landscape, oh, there's a pretty good chance that's good soil over there. There's the middle of the road. It's probably not going to do so good here. There's a patch of thorns over there, blackberry bushes. It's probably not going to do so good over there. We don't know when we sow seed. We don't know. That person, their heart, the state of mind that they're in, we have no idea. Our problem is we judge people as being unreceptive before we give them a chance to be unreceptive. We prejudge, we are prejudiced in our burden. We assume, you know, the big guy, the big guy with the arms big as water heaters and tattoos. And we assume he's gonna beat us, like, beat us into a pulp if we witness to him, only to find out when you start talking to him, he's just a big old teddy bear. Right. They start crying and get choked up and tell you, you know, I've been thinking about getting saved. My grandma's been praying for me. My mom's been praying for me. You had no idea until you go up and start talking to him. The problem is we don't understand the potential of the soil. The sower kept sowing regardless of the soil. He didn't allow 
He didn't allow the soil to stop him. He didn't allow the, the, the receptive soil or the unreceptive soil to stop him. He just sowed the seed. Our job is to sow the seed. Our job is to give people the gospel. What they do with it is between them and God. You and I have no control over what people do with the gospel. And nowhere in the Bible does God hold us accountable for what people do. People that receive or reject, that's between them and God. But it is our obligation, our duty to give them the gospel. And it's so simple that many times we preempt people's ability to receive or reject by assuming what they're going to do and never even tell them. The soil is sometimes so hard to read. There have been places where I felt like this was a waste of time only to find out later somebody got saved. You don't know. And, I, and it, it's, it's a problem even experienced soul winners struggle with trying to figure out exactly who it is I'm talking to. We don't know. Right. You don't know till you engage them and start talking to them. Right. And many times I've had people tell me I'm not interested. And I say, well, I respect that. Give you something to read, put it in your pocket. Maybe one day there will be some Bible verses that you can read that might help you. Thank you for your, and just be nice to them. And sometimes how you respond to them rejecting you changes their whole idea of what it's about. If, you, if they say, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested. You say, well, you can die and go to hell then, pal. Hey, they probably will. And I've been with people that had that attitude. I've been with people preaching on the street, holding up signs, turn or burn, and they act like they wanted everybody to burn. That's why it says in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, having compassion, making a difference. The potential of the soil. In 1 Corinthians chapter number three, the apostle Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We like that verse. Because we don't know if we're the one sowing seed or if we're the one watering seed. We don't know if somebody's already sown seed and us coming along is pouring water on it. We don't know. Guess what? That's not our problem or our responsibility. One thing is certain. God's not going to give an increase of seed that was not sown or watered. Seed has to be sown. If we'll sow it and we'll water, God will give the increase. He said in verse number seven of 1 Corinthians 3, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. Soul winning is laboring with God. God says if you'll sow and you'll water, I'll give the increase. The problem is we're not giving a chance, God a chance to give the increase because we're not sowing and watering. I'm 100% certain that I am not going to have a good crop of watermelons this, this summer in my backyard. I'm certain. I didn't plant any. I didn't plant any. That's deep, isn't it? I mean, that's deep. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have any watermelons. And I love watermelons. I love, let me put a watermelon on the table, cut it up. I'm pretty sure, I know I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have a good crop of watermelons this year because I haven't planted any. I don't plan to. And my wife's want me to build a planter and put some topsoil in there so we can plant some tomatoes. 
I learned this a long time ago. There's two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Amen. Amen. I love homegrown tomatoes. I said tomatoes. Tomatoes. Amen. Nothing like a good old mater sandwich. Duke's mayonnaise slathered on two pieces of bread and salt and pepper and some homegrown tomatoes sliced up on there. Mm, I feel a little something on that right there. But I'm pretty sure before I can experience the joy and the blessings of a tomato sandwich, I'm gonna have to plant some tomatoes in my backyard. Pretty sure that's how that works. We're not gonna see people saved if we don't sow win. We gotta sow seed. It's just that simple. One thing's clear to me, in order for there to be an increase, there must be a planting and a watering. And God has chosen us to be laborers together with him. God has chosen us to be laborers together with him. Think about that a minute. We are laborers together with God. God says, I'm gonna partner with you. If you'll do your part, I'll do mine. Stay with me. God's not gonna do our part. He's not gonna come down out of heaven and take those tracks out of that track rack and pass them out on your street. I 100% guarantee you that is not going to happen. It's not gonna happen. That's not how it works. God didn't give us the great commission in the back of his mind say, I know half of them's not gonna do it, so I'm just gonna pick up their slack. That's not how it works. But I think that's how we think it works. That if we don't witness to them, somebody will. No. If the ones that have it don't give it to them, how are they going to get it? One of the most exciting things about this verse in Matthew 13, it says, it says in there, which also beareth fruit, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth, verse 8, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. You don't know when you put a seed in the ground what the long-term residual benefits is of that seed. You don't know. Anybody here familiar with Ed Kimball? Does that name ring a bell? Ed Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in Boston in 1858. Witnessed to his shoe clerk and led his shoe clerk to the Lord. His shoe clerk, his name was D.L. Moody. He became an evangelist. And he went over to England in 1879. He was preaching meetings and God used him to awaken an evangelistic zeal in the heart of Frederick B. Meyer, a pastor of a small church. And F.B. Meyer got on fire for God. Came over to America, was preaching at an American college campus and brought to Christ a student named J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman got involved in the YMCA work and he employed a former baseball player named Billy Sunday to help him do evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina and a group of local men got so fired up during that revival that they planned another evangelistic campaign and brought Mordecai Ham in to town to preach. While Mordecai Ham was preaching, a young man named Billy Graham heard the gospel and got saved. Trace it all the way back to a little Sunday school teacher in Boston witnessing to a man while he was buying a pair of shoes. You don't know. 
When you sow seed, you don't know where that seed's gonna land. It might land in the thorns. It might land on the highway. It might land on stony places, but there's a good chance it might find some good soil and that good soil will bring forth a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold. You don't know. That's why you sow like crazy. You throw seed everywhere you can. I say it all the time. I tell our staff this. I want to put as many hooks in the water as I can. We're fishers of men. We're fishers of men. You can fish with one hook or you can run a trot line. Put as many hooks in the water. Went fishing with Brother Spangler. Me and the boys went out on his crab boat. We went out fishing for bait. He was going to buy, he was wanting to put bait in his crab pots. I know you've done that a bunch of times, haven't you, Mr. Terry? Two hooks on the line. Two hooks. Throw them in the water, pull it in, you got two fish. Two. We was catching them two at the time. And I loved it when he said, no fish is too small. It don't matter how small they are. Don't throw them, don't throw them back. Put them over here in this, in this cooler. We're going we're gonna to put them in, in, the, in the crab pots. I said, that's what I'm talking about. And me and the boys went fishing. Spencer probably knows exactly how many we caught. How many did we catch? Not that anybody cares. His mind and the way it works, it's crazy. He knows exactly, we were catching fish like crazy, two at a time. Put hooks in the water, pass out tracks everywhere, witness to everybody, you don't know. Who you're a witness to. Number four, let me give you this. We still go soul winning because of the promise of the scriptures. Listen to this, Isaiah 55. Do you believe the Bible? I mean, do you really believe it? Or do you believe that only certain people can claim the promises of God and you're not good enough? You haven't been saved long enough. You're not God's special child and so these verses and promises don't apply to you. Because there's, there's promises in here some of you have never even begun to claim. Listen to this, Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You ever seen rain going up? <laughs> All that snow that fell yesterday, you seen it going up back up to heaven? No, it just sunk into the ground, set, it just soaked the ground, and it's getting it all ready for spring. And we're going to have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stand of grass in our yard, and our bushes and our trees are going to be so pretty because all this, all this snow and all this rain seeping in, seep, seeping into the ground, and it's going to bring forth. When you and I sow seed, God says, I promise you, just like the rain seeps into the ground and brings forth the harvest, when you sow the word of God, it will not return void. Amen. Guaranteed. Amen. But you gotta get the word out. Gotta get the word out. As the Bible says, you gotta get the seed out of the barn. Here's another one, Psalm 126. Verse five and six, some of y'all don't align this in your Bible. Psalm 126, five and six, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, doubtless 
come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Promises of God. Promises of Scripture that should motivate each and every one of us to be soul winners. Because you can't give the gospel to the wrong person. We believe whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, let them take of the word of life freely. Who's, everybody's not going to, but everybody could. Everybody could. The spirits say come. The church and bride say come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Give the illustration so many times. The blind man in John 9, been saved 10 minutes. They're asking him to give all these theological explanations. I don't know what to tell you, he said. All I know is I was blind, now I see. That's a pretty good start. The woman in John 4 left her water pot, went running back into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things which ever I did. Well, who is he? I don't know. All I know is he told me everything I ever I did. Where's he from? I don't know. All I know is you just start with what you know. I think many times people allow what they don't know to keep them from sharing what they do know. I know I've said this before, but I don't think some of you heard me. You don't have to be a Bible expert to be a soul winner. A soul winner is somebody telling hungry people where to find bread. And if you've been saved and God's done anything in your life, that's a good start. And me, sometimes I'm just painfully honest. I'd be more apt to say, listen, I don't know all the answers, but I do know this. Since I met Jesus, he changed my life. And I'd love for you to know him. And take a tract if you have to. And lead somebody to the Lord. Show them the verses. Or do like the woman in John 4, just grab him by the hand and say, come see him, man. I'll take you. I'm, let, let me take you down there. Let you meet him for yourself. We've already got, I believe this church, I believe this church right now is primed. I believe this with all my heart. This church right now is primed to explode. But it won't do it if you're waiting for me to do it. All of us need to be doing it. I know we got parking problems already. That's fine. We'll figure it out. We had to move the buses. By the way, on Sunday morning, the buses will be parked right up here by the flagpole. All four buses will park there. I want our people to park on this bus lot. We'll have people out there helping you get parked. And if the nice, weather's nice, you can park on the soccer field. This morning it was wet. So we can make room for people because we're fixing to start getting some people in here. We're going to fill up 20,000 bags with tracts and literature and the gospel. And I'm just dumb enough to believe that if we pass out 20,000 bags, somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to come to church. Somebody's going to hear the gospel. Somebody's going to come walking in this door lost and find out they're lost and get saved. Here's what I need every, every member of Calvary Baptist Church to do tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. I need you, I need you to be a soul winner. 